We've been preaching a series to you that we're going to end today. And it has come more as a challenge, a dare, and we're actually titling the series, I Dare You. You know, because I grew up in West Jasper and we often dared people to do things. You know, boys daring boys to do things. And, and, you know, you just couldn't turn down a dare. If somebody dared you, you just had to do it. If somebody double dog dared you or and really, you know, somebody invented the triple dog dare. And boy, I mean, you know, you had to do it. And it gets you in a lot of trouble, but you had to follow through with those dares. And because I'd read a book years ago that was titled that way, it didn't have this information, of course, that we're looking at it, but it was called I Dare You. It just jumped in my spirit one day. So teach it along that line from the word and dare people, which another word for dare is challenge, challenge people to make certain commitments in their life. And so in this series, now the past five, and they're available, I think they're available in the back back there, but we'll have all the series available after this. I encourage you to listen to these over and over. On these subjects that we've talked about, I'll mention these subjects to you in just a moment. But on these subjects, by no means whatsoever are they everything on that subject. There's no way you can do it. It's just a challenge for you to pursue those things and to do something with your life. I I read after a man that, he was an older gentleman when I read this, but when he was young, he was at Yale University and attending there. And an older gentleman said to him, asked him a question, just asked him like this, said, you've only got one life. What are you going to do with it? And he said that changed his total perspective. I I think somehow that question needs to be on your mind all the time. I've only got one life. What am I going to do with it? Instead of letting it waste away, that's been the challenge. Do something with it. And so in this, we dared or challenged you to reach the highest potentials that are available to any believer at all. To never give up on your faith and make the mightiest possibilities available to you simply by keep using your faith, no matter how hard the situation is. And to believe that your best days are ready and, and they're ready to unfold into you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Praise God. Say amen to that. But we did have a good time last Sunday where we talked about don't give up on your dreams. Just believe that your better days are ahead and, and you've got greater things to accomplish. It, it's just you're never too old to serve God. and You're never too old for God to work with. I always say this. I know you probably get tired of hearing it, but it just resonates in me all the time that Moses, who had a tremendous ministry recorded in the Bible, never began his ministry till he was 80. They say the average American today watches seven hours of TV a day. The average American watches seven hours. And if you retire, you just add two more hours to the TV watching. Oh, wow. Now, that's a waste of life. Absolutely waste of potential and waste of energy. You know, that used to have a commercial out when I was a little boy. In some, I guess in the 70s, maybe 60 or 70s. I don't remember which college it was, but say it again. United Negro College, it said a mind is a terrible thing. How do you know what I'm preaching, Gary? I mean, (laughs) he's a pretty smart man. Great minds think alike. But it said, constantly it said a a mind is a terrible thing to waste. You remember that? Anybody remember that from your past? Well, don't ever let that slip from any of our thinking. A life is a terrible thing to waste. And yet that's what the devil would love to do is keep you away from the the, the challenges or the dares to do something more with your life than just what the normal people do around you. I I don't like being average. I know I said that to you a few weeks ago. You think about it in school. What did you strive for grade-wise? What did you really strive for in school? A's. You strove for A's. I mean, that should have been your goal anyway. C's are average. But yet, how many of you C's was bad news at your house? Amen. You know, it wasn't good enough. I mean, you know, it really was. I mean, I, I, of course, don't misunderstand me. I was always really felt accomplished when I made a C. But that was a good thing. But I'm just saying that wasn't the goal. The goal was something better than that. And that's what A's, A's are not just average. A's are above average. Right. Well above average. It's excellent. Amen. And that's the way we ought to be in our life, that we can actually achieve things. And you're not in this game alone. You're not doing this alone. You're not doing life by yourself. You're doing life with God. 
and you got great strength that comes to him. So we've dared you to challenge these, these things and to expect more out of your life. Branch Rickey, probably one of the greatest men of baseball ever. He was, uh, well, this was a man that lived quite a while back, 1881 is when he was born, died in 1965. He wasn't inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame until 1967, two years after he died. To me, that's a little late. I think he should be there. Don't misunderstand me because he carried the name the greatest man of baseball. That, that's who he was. Branch Reed. You'll recognize him. He's probably most famous for crossing the barrier of race. Remember, he was the one that hired Jackie Robinson, African-American, the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. They put him catching first base in 1947, April the 15th, they put Jackie Robinson on that. And it's a tremendous story. Branch Rickey was a player. He played for many years. He played for New York when it wasn't the Yankees, but it was the Highlanders, so it's way long time ago. He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He played for some of those great teams. And then he went on to be an executive in baseball. He managed many teams. As I said, he managed the Brooklyn team when they hired Jackie Robinson, as I said. So, I mean, he, he had a lot of years, but baseball was very good to him, and he loved it. When he had spent over 50 years in the game. That's a long time to spend in something. You think it's over, you know. And there was somebody interviewing him from a magazine. And they said to him now, he's up in his 70s at this time, and they said, uh, tell us what your greatest thrill was from 50 years experience of baseball. After 50 years of baseball, they stuck the microphone in his face and they said, Mr. Ricky, tell us what has been your greatest thrill out of 50 years of baseball. And when they asked him that question, his little eyebrows went down and he said, my greatest thrill... Well, I ain't had that yet. (laughs) And I dare you today. And that's what this whole series has been about. Dare you to believe that your greatest thrill hadn't been yet. You ought ought to say that to somebody this week. My greatest thrill in life hadn't been yet, but it's coming. I tell you, you know, I trained James. I was talking to Sam about this the other day. I trained James. I'm not a, I don't know anything about basketball. I mean, he, he, shifted from baseball to basketball about three years ago and, and just loves the sport. I know nothing of basketball. And so I try to help him, but I know something about not giving up on yourself. And, and I'll and I be out with him. A lot of times he'll like somebody to go out with him when he's just practicing. And I go out there with him. He'd like somebody to go out and do the rebounding for him, you know. And, and you know, just like any of us do, if you shoot, you know, he's shooting, he's trying to hit that three or hit, hit it. And, and it misses. It's an air ball or it hits the rim and bounces off, you know. And he goes, shoot, you know, or something like that. You know, people do the kind of, you know, you, know, you show your disgust. <laughs> and I said, James, I said, do you believe you hit everything? He said, yeah, Jesus, because he knows me in faith. He said, yeah, I believe I hit it. I said, well, then why would you go shoot if you believe you hit it? Well, because I missed. He said, "Not." If, I said, you didn't miss it if you believe you hit it. Now, that's confusing to natural minds. <coughs> he said, what do you mean? I, I, over the years, I've told him, I said, if you believe you hit it, then you saw it go in. You didn't see it hit, hit off because you're a man of faith. Mm-hmm. And I said, besides that, look at the pros. Look at the, look at the guys that play pro, pro basketball. If they, do they miss shots too? Oh, yeah, they miss shots too. They miss some silly looking <laughs> shots too. But when they miss, they don't sit there going, oh, shoot. You know what? That, that's in the past. They don't no more care about that shot because they got one thing on their mind. You ought to see the next one I'm fixing. On, it. Ronnie, you're coaching this. You, am I telling right in this thing? You've got to get your mind off what you just did. And just all you do is concentrate on the bit. Baseball has always been my sport. That's why I love to use so many baseball illustrations. But how many of you can remember the time when Babe Ruth, I mean, you've seen it on video if you weren't there. I've seen it on video. When Babe Ruth was, Babe Ruth, who was at one time had the home run records, you know, do you know he also at that same time held another record called the strikeout record? <laughs> he struck out more. Why? Because he was always going after that home run. And buddy, he was striking out one time and boy, they were giving him a hard time. The managers was giving him a hard time. The other pitcher was giving him a hard time. You're not going to do it. And he was already had strike two on him right now with two outs. And boy, the, the Yankees needed this. 
And you all remember this time when Babe Ruth goes, his manager had told him he was going through a, just a strikeout slump. I mean, he was just striking out, striking out. And his manager said, Babe, just slow down the bat. Just go back to the fundamentals. Just hit the ball. And he said, Babe, all Babe could say was this. No, he said, you just got to watch, man. When I hit that ball, it's going to be out of the park. <laughs> he didn't care how many times he struck out because he was after one thing, that home run. And when he was down two strikes and, and they were two outs already and man, the Yankees needed the runs that were on base, they needed Babe to knock one in and he had these two strikes against him and everybody was putting him in. You're not going to make it. You're the strikeout man. And Babe did that one thing. Anybody remember it? He took his bat and he pointed right out in the where this next one's fixing to go. And that's exactly where the next ball went. He put it exactly there. And that's the same way we've got to be with our faith because that's what was happening in the man. You've got to believe that the ball is going where you want it to be. You've got to believe that your life is going where you tell it to be. You've got to believe that the health is coming. In the man. And we've talked about all these things. And this has been the dare that we've challenged you to do. But be like Mr. Ricky. My greatest thrill hasn't happened yet. But I believe that it's coming. I've dared you in this to pull away from past experiences. Now, this is where I want to look at a scripture this morning. But write down this reference right quick, and then we'll look at it up on the screen. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. But this dare is to pull away from all past experiences to a new higher expectation than what you've ever had. You've got to believe that this time there's going to be a way made for your success that hasn't been in the past. Look at, look at this now. Here's our scripture. God says, remember not the former things. On, Forget amen. the last ball that hit the rim. Forget the last time you tried and it didn't work. Remember not the former things, he said, neither consider the things of old. Behold, God said, I'm about to do a new thing. Yes, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Or you're going to experience it? In other words, I will even, God says, and look what I underlined for you. God said, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and I'll make rivers in the desert. I'll make a, this is where we get the phrase, you won't find this phrase in the Bible, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. This is where they get it from. See, God will make a way in the wilderness. Wilderness is where Daniel Boone hadn't been yet. See, they hadn't made, he ain't made a way yet. God said, I'll make a path. Literally what this means to the natural mind is this, or to the mind of today, or modern mind is like this. God said, I'll pave an avenue where there's never been a road. I'll make a way for you to get where you need to go when there's no way possible to even get there. I'll make provision for you. He said, I'll give you water, provision, in the wilderness or in the desert. Amen. So whatever you need, God said, I'm providing it for you. So Amen. look at it in another scripture. This is 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. So just jot it down right quick. Because here's the challenge is not to give up on your life. Let, let me say it like this to you before we read that. You'll never reach your potential living in the past. Remember not the former things. If you're living in a past season, you can forget about going to a new one. You've got to forget it. Like I told James, you've got to forget the baskets. Let, let, let me tell you what I started to tell you. I was going to tell you this testimony. Y'all are, are about this much fun today, so I'm, I'm, on, I'm looking for one person to smile, and I'm going to sit with you and preach all day. <laughs> no, listen. So we've trained James in faith, and he's believing God, and, and he, he confesses every day. I play basketball because Jesus lives in me. I play basketball on a level that the world's unfamiliar with. Amen. I play basketball on a level and God does things for me. God plays basketball through me. And he tries to express that even in a Christian school. That can be a little hard sometimes because not everybody you know, believes those kind of things. And so he was playing the other day. It was his first varsity game to play. He had, they had four games he had to play that day. He was playing junior varsity and varsity because it was just kind of little, little four, four games in a day. And so... When he was on the varsity, he said, Dad, I really want to do good, you know. And I, so I'm sitting there, and I'm praying for him like you would be for, for your Amen. son or daughter, praying. Amen. 
And I thought about this. He was out there and not getting opportunities to shoot. Other people scored. And I said, Jordan's got to shoot. And he'd scored a few layups and so on. And I knew he wanted to hit those threes, Randy. I knew he wanted to hit those eyes. So I'm praying. And so I'm sitting there and I was reminded, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a cartoon that the girls used to watch when they were very small. And it was about King David. It was a, it was a Christian cartoon about David killing the giant. And it said something, it was a poetry. It was by Peter Ennis. And I can't remember just how it went, but it says when David threw his rock, it was a little off course, you know, going to the right, when it threw his rock, it was a little off course. And then it was guided by a heavenly force. <laughs> yes. And that came up in my spirit. Listen, I said, I said, father, you help James like that. Just help him get, and all of a sudden, boy, he started hitting threes, three, three threes in a row. Yes. 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 And I was like, oh my goodness. And he was doing layups. He was scoring like, yeah. and he told me after the game, he came up to go. Some of his friends, they wanted to go out and celebrate and they went out and celebrated, you know, and, and um, to eat, you know, and, you know, big, big deal, you know, Taco Bell, really big, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he got home and his friends were at the house and he came out there in the yard where I was and he said, uh, dad, he said, uh, you know, I, I, he said, I didn't do that today. I said, I know, God was in me. He said, yeah, God was in me. He said, because if you, if you know basketball, you don't even have to be good at you just Everybody knows this. Ronnie, I'm asking you, your coach, is this true? You know when the ball leaves your hand, whether it's going in or whether it's not. You know when it's off. I mean, you know, if you, if you concentrate, you know it's not. And James told me, he said, Dad, most of those threes, they were off. I don't know how they went in. And I said, mm-hmm, they were a bit off course, and then they were guided by a heavenly yes, force. amen, that's right. And, uh, and anyway, just, it was just good, you know. Well, I, I know that's basketball, and that may, don't mean as much to you as it does to me and James, but, but the idea I want you to get is God will guide your life that's like right. that. Amen. You can just not be perfect at what you do. It's not that's about you good. being perfect. It's about you letting God in and that's do His right. work through Amen. you. That that's things right. just happen. Relationships happen because God's working yes. on the inside Amen. of you. Right. Business endeavors happen. That's Raises and, and ideas and, and succeeding on your job or whatever it may be. It happens because you've got God guiding and working in your hand. And my challenge to you is, is to step out so God can do something. Listen how the Lord said it to me last night. He said, you'll never reach your potential while you're living in a past season because your breakthrough is already awaiting you. Strongholds are breaking today, he said. He said, strongholds are breaking today as your faith is awakening in this series. So get ready for them. Like we said earlier about the guy that heard it at Yale, you have one life to live Make a decision what you're going to do with it. And then the Lord began to remind me of this. He said, because we've made this title, I Dare You. He said, recognize that it's in daring times. Now, that's a phrase that you don't hear a lot nowadays, but somebody like Winston Churchill would have said that during World War II. These are daring times. Daring times are where people have to step up to the challenge. But listen to me in this. It's in daring times, challenging times, that people really discover what their abilities are. I was reading the story one day about, a, this happened several years ago. This was a World War II story, actually. But there was a gentleman, a gentleman in America during the 1940s, and he was a streetcar conductor. And that's all he did. His job was every day get on that streetcar, and he took up tickets, and he greeted the few uh, regular, normal customers that he saw each morning, every evening going home, that kind of thing. And he saw these regular people and talked with them, chat a bit, take up tickets. That was his job, and that's all he did. He never knew he had any more potential to do anything until he would be drafted into the war during World War II. And before long, it wouldn't happen overnight. Don't misunderstand me. But he worked his way up. Little did that conductor know he would ever make general in the army, that he could conduct men and lead soldiers. But see, in a trying or a daring time, it brought the best out of him. You know, like we was telling you last week, remember the woman, the, the mother that was, saw the bear about to attack her child and she killed the bear with, her bare hand, with an axe in her bare hands? But we said last week, a woman can't do that. A mother can't kill a bear with her bare hands and an axe, but she did. 
because she found supernatural strength. Yes. See, in other words, you, it takes a crisis sometimes mm -hmm. to really find out what energies that you have. Amen. It takes a war. So why not declare war? Amen. On all the failures of your past. This is what the dare is. Why not just, just declare war on all the simplicities yes. of your life and say, I'm going to do something greater with my life oh, than what, what I've ever thought about or what I've ever dreamed or what I dared. Why not declare war against the wasted years of your life? Why not ignite a bomb under your own capabilities? That would be a crisis. If you had a bomb, you'd find out just how fast you could move. Why not, why not ignite a bomb under your own capabilities? Why not force a crisis? Why not force yourself into an own crisis that I've got to do something with my life instead of just sitting here slowly That's dying? Good. That's why I brought this scripture in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. These were the lepers that sat outside the, the gates when the forces of the army had surrounded them. And they were four lepers. This is how it says it. They were four leprous men at the gate, and they said one to another. They began to discuss it among themselves. Why sit we here until we die? Mm -hmm. Now somewhere that same thought has to come in you. Why do I sit here with my life until I die? Why don't I do something with the next days that I have? Amen. Why don't I accept the challenge? Why don't I do something great for God? If God is making himself available to me, here's my last challenge. Let, let me give you the things I've talked about already. I've dared you in the last five weeks, the previous five weeks, I've dared you to become the wealthiest, to become the most highly favored, have the greatest faith, become the healthiest, and last Sunday to be the most alive. And today I want to dare you to be the most full of God person Amen. that's alive on the planet today. Let me tell you something that's real good news. If you're here today and you feel like you've distanced from God some way and somehow he's off somewhere in another universe and, and you just can't seem to get God moving in your life, I got real good news about it. Real good news about it. The good news is, is that if you feel distance from God, the truth is you moved. That's right. Amen. Now the good news is you move because if you move, that means you can move back. Yes. Now, God wouldn't dare move from you because the scripture says he'll never leave you nor That's forsake right. you, Hebrews 13, 5. That's so the good. good news is, it's good news. If I'm away yes. from God, it's my fault and yes. I can get right back to where yes. I was. Yes. I remember yes. driving down the road years ago. This was in 1980 and I remember where I was on the highway. I could take you to Fayette, Alabama and show you the spot. And I was in my little yellow Volkswagen and Brother Copeland was preaching in the right seat on cassette tape. <laughs> and I remember he said this day, he said somebody, he, it's just like it was today. He said, Somebody asked me, this is Brother Copeland talking, he said, somebody asked me, what would you do if God took his hand off of you? He said, that's easy, I'd get right back under it. Because <laughs> it wouldn't right. be him taking it off, it'd be me walking out from right. under it. I'd get right back where I got the first time so I could get right back in there. And I remember Brother Copeland said this, sometime later I heard him say this, that the thing is, if you're climbing the ladder for God, and we all ought to be doing that, striving Amen. for the A's of life, right. you're climbing the ladder of God and you realize you do something that puts you back down. He said, don't give up. Just get started. You That's do have right. to start on the bottom rung again, amen. but just keep moving to get That's back right. to where you amen. were. Be willing That's to get right. there. Amen. Say amen. Thank amen. you for your enthusiasm. Right. <laughs> I dare you to become the most full of God of any person, but you have to choose to be full of God. It's your choice to be full of God. Say amen if you can see that. Your choice because he wants to do something for you. Turn to this scripture, Ephesians chapter three. And let's read this today about being full of God. Don't give up on your life. Expect something in these last days of your life. I mean, if you are at the end of life, do something bigger today than what you've ever done before. Turn to the book of Ephesians right quick, Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to show you a scripture on about being full of God. There's some secrets in here that will really help you in how you can be full of God. I hope I'm getting this across to you. If you are to be full of God, it'll be up to you, not up to God. Amen. God's already done everything he can to fill you. And he's, he's sitting there just pushing. I, I love to read in the book of Acts, which we're about to enter into in our 
Bible reading. I think we have some of those. Jen, do we have some of those papers out there? You tell people our church is on a Bible reading schedule right now. And uh, we're preparing for a great meeting coming up in September. Uh, Billy Burke is going to be with us, and we're really excited about that for miracles and healings and getting our hearts ready. And so we're all reading in unison together on the same chapters and, and get one of those and catch up with us. But one of the things about the book of Acts that really thrills me, and this, this is the idea I want you to see, is because you can have as much of God as you want. That's right. you, can, you can go after God. You can receive God. I, I like to say it like this. God has already done all he's going to do to fill you. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to get in. And this that's is what right. thrills me about the book of Acts is when you read about the day of the Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, which all that means, Holy Ghost came, that means that God got to fill people again. Right. Something he'd been waiting on. He, he'd been separated from man because of man's sin. And when man right. opened the door... And he came. Come on, amen. And that happened at Cornelius' house. I, I love it because Peter was standing there <laughs> preaching 10 years after Pentecost. He's preaching at Cornelius' house. He's preaching, and right in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Ghost just came. Like God couldn't wait for him to finish his sermon. Yeah. I mean, I'd be, if I was like Peter, I'd be like, excuse me, God, I'm trying to finish my sermon. And God's like, I can't wait. I got to get them. Boom. And they all spoke with tongues. Just filled them and spoke with tongues. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing when you realize how much God's pushing to get into That's our right. lives. Amen. The idea is you can have as much of God right. as you want. That's right. And you can be as full That's of God right. yes. as you want. This is why it ought to be good because the possibilities of your life is endless. When you're full of God, because God can do anything through me and you. And that's where we've got to take that challenge today. Here's a beautiful scripture. We're going to look at some simple things about how the Bible says you can stay full of God. Because of time, we're just, I'd love to read a lot around it, but like, let's just read the 17th verse. In verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the, read them with me, what is the what? Breadth, that means how broad is God? Looking at how broad God is. How broad is God? The next one, the length, how long is God? And then how the depth or how deep is God? And the last one he says, and the height or how high is God? There he is. He's saying, I want you to just experience how broad God is. How broad is he? Well, it never ends. You know? And so that's the way God is. There's no limit to how far that's right. Amen. God's availability of himself is for the person that's hungry for him. Amen. You're right. as full Amen. of God today as you really want to be. Right. But you can be that's as full good. of him tomorrow as you choose to be. That's good. Amen. I dare you to become the fullest of God. So to know the breadth of God, how, how wide is he? How deep is he? How high is he? How rich is he? In other words, the fullness of all the dimensions of God. He said, I want you to experience that in your own life. Right. Paul's Amen. talking. And then he says this. I've got to read back to 18 again. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints where is the breadth, length, depth, and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. See, it goes beyond any limit of knowledge that you could ever have. So that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, what a privilege that God would offer that. He said, I'm allowing you to be filled with everything that God is, which is an endless thing. Filled with all the fullness of God. Something the Message Bible brings out. Look at this in the screen of the Message Bible. It says, then Christ, that when you start looking at the height, you know, plumb those depths, you start reaching out and say, I want to see how wide God is. I want to see how deep he is. Not just say, I want to see how little I can get of God and get by. I want to see what, what the fullness of it. So this message says, then Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. Yes. Now please make a note of that in your, in your note taking. But you need to write that down. He will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. This is not something that is up to him. This is up to you. 
It's your invitation. You ever had a, had a person say, well, I'll do that just whenever you call me. Give me a call and I'll come do it. Yeah. So it's up to them now. The ball's in their court, we say. God's saying the ball's in your court today. If you'll open the door and invite him in, but it's entirely up for you to do it. And then he says, and I ask him, this is Paul praying, I ask him that with both feet planted firmly in love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Yes. And look at this next part. Reach out and experience the breadth, test its lengths, plumb its depths, Rise to the heights, live full lives. Wow. Now underline this or make this yours. Live yes. full lives in the fullness of God. Yes. This is That's the dare good. that God's given us today. That's live good. full lives Amen. in the fullness of God. That's good. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now I've got to stop here and say something because y'all get aggravated at me because I say something about you sad long faces and we're up here in the happiest moment of our life and the biggest challenges. I, I wasn't going to preach this today. This is not. This was not the direction that I normally have, but it just keeps coming up on the inside of me. The literal definition of this word I'm about to give you, the definition is full of God, and it's the word enthusiasm. Yeah. Mm, okay, amen. The word enthusiasm. It's a powerful word. It's probably one of the most powerful words in the English language. Enthusiasm definition means full of God. So anybody that's full of God is going to be the most enthusiastic. And so it bothers me when I don't see you enthusiastic even enough to sit on a blue chair in, in a straight position. Come on, amen. That you've got God on the inside of you. Now I know good and well when God's rolling on the inside of you, you're the most enthusiastic person in the world. Now this is what this means. So he says, test its length, plumb its depths, rise to the full heights. This is the dare. This is the challenge God's given us today. Make sure you've written this down somewhere. Live full lives in the fullness of God. Live full lives. This is what God's challenge is to all of us today. Not live half lives. Defeated lives, poor lives, non-expectant lives, but live full lives. Everyone, I think really everyone wants the benefit of what it is to have God in their life. But how do we become full of God? Well, according to the scripture, look back at your scripture there. You've got to open Hebrews 3, excuse me, Ephesians 3. Notice he says this, that Christ, verse 17 again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to understand or comprehend with all saints, whereas the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. Literally, the way you become more full of God is you start, I, I use this word lightly, and don't misunderstand me, I don't mean it disrespectful when I say it, but you start playing with the love that God has for you. Now, I don't, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way that you, you don't uh, respect it or something. That's not what I mean. But I mean you start enjoying it. That's what he's saying. Start enjoying how right. wide his love is yes. for you. How yes. deep is love? You, you've known this much love. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But you haven't even began to experience what life is supposed to be like now that this, this God is so absolutely in love with you. Amen. So you're going to have to start, as the message says, plumb its depths. Yeah. Test them a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean go out and sin, challenge him. Somewhere we need to get this understood because I know this is new age teaching a lot of people hearing today about, you know, you can sin, God don't care about sin. Listen, God hasn't changed from Old Testament to New Testament. He isn't any more tolerant with sin today than he was back then. He doesn't enjoy sin. Anybody tell you that has a demon, demon spirit. Somebody said, well, the spirit told me that God, well, we need to cast that spirit out of you in Jesus' name because God hadn't changed his idea about sin because of what it does to people. Right, amen. But he's in love with you so much that he's taken care of that sin if you'll trust him for it. Amen. That's good. 
Yeah, you don't have to carry the guilt of the sin, you know. I, I wish I had time to get into all that. We don't have to carry the guilt of sin, but I'm just saying don't, don't think it's because God doesn't care about sin anymore. That's not the truth. It's just that he's given the sacrifice that brought eternal salvation to you, and you need to get deep in that. So, But the bottom line to this is if you want to be full of God, if you want to accept the dare and say, I'm going to be more full of God than anybody that's ever been on this planet, I'm going to be so full of God that I'm going to be oozing with God and dripping with God and sloshing with God. Matt Gober used to preach a, a message on who bumps your buggy or what comes out when, you know, that's what it was. He was in the grocery store, he said one day, you know, big burly biker Mac, you know, and, and he said, I saw two women and, and everybody was just pushing their buggies around and one lady accidentally hit the buggy of another woman and when she hit that buggy, that other woman just cussed her out. And, and so Mac said, you know, when you get bumped like that, only thing comes out of you, whatever's in you. And so he used to preach a message on who bumped your buggy and what comes out, you know, that kind of thing. And, but I want people to bump my buggy and I want God to just come out. I want to just, you know, just, just pour out with God. But you can't do that if you're full of you. You have to be full of God. You wouldn't like to bump my buggy if I'm full of me. I'm a horrible person to be around. You know, I mean, in the natural. I mean, I just got, the only, if there's anything good about any of us, it's God. That's right. Amen. Amen. I was telling you all ago, men are funny. You know, this is funny. I, one, one man I knew, he, he said he told his wife, said, he got kind of aggravated at her. And he said, he said, I'm not a child. Quit, quit mothering me. I am not your child. Husband said to his wife, I'm not your child. Quit mothering me. Three minutes later, he said, honey, have you seen my keys? <laughs> Sweetheart, have you cooked anything? Do I have any clean underwear? <laughs> quit mothering me. Okay, I can't look at y'all. Right, the idea is, the idea is, if you want to be full of God, start, I don't mean it disrespectful, I'm just saying get into it. Start enjoying, experiencing the yes. love of God. Yes. The more you Amen. play with the love of God, the fuller of God you Amen. get. You start, you, I tell you what, if you take the challenge, the more you go after, say, I'm just going to see how much God loves me today. I'm just going to meditate on me. And I'm going to be like the Apostle John. I'm going to go around all day and say, I happen to be the person whom God loves. I just happen to be the one that Jesus loves. Because that's why John talked about himself. And if you'll do that, all of a sudden you'll start seeing the fullness of God will start filling up in you. Because it comes from the revelation of how much he loves you. That's the way you get fuller of him. Now, can I just finish this real quick with you. So know the love of Christ. There's no limit to his love, so there can be no limit to how full you can be. And so that's why I said this is your, really your finest hour because you can be as full of God as you desire to be. The possibilities become endless when God lives in you in a greater measure. Mountains appear small when you're full of God. The more full you are of God, the less you'll look at the magnitude of your problem. You'll just look at the magnitude of your God. Amen? And possibilities will start looking possible. And that's why I said earlier to dads and fathers, and this is true of all of us, men and women makes no difference, but if you're full of God, people will follow you. Children will follow your example when you're full of God. You're better to be around when you're full of God. You're more enjoyable to be around when you're full of God. And so that's, what, that's our challenge today is stay full of God. Children always go after people that are full of God. So I, I dare you today to invite him in as we looked at that scripture, yield to him, crave him, desire him, hunger for him, want more of him. And the failures of your past, he said this to me yesterday morning, he said the failures of your past will be quickly erased as you get full of God. All the failures. Everything changes when God's allowed. And you decide that you're God's house. I'm, I'm to house God. I could preach that to you today if we had the time, but the idea is you were created to be full of nothing but God. You weren't even created to ever be full of yourself. You were created to be full of Him. That's why anything else is false. This is a false statement. Self-centered. Now, I know we know what that means, self-centered, and it's a bad thing, I understand it, but there's no such thing because you really can't be self-centered. That's right. Let me tell you why. You're an empty self. 
Avril, you said it the other day. I thought you was teaching. I think you was teaching Beacon House a month ago. You said, she said, I know this sounds corny, but we all have a Jesus-sized hole, Jesus-shaped hole, and only Jesus can fit. And remember when you used to play have those little toys for kids? You know, put a round hole and a round peg and a round hole, square one in a square. And and you've got a Jesus-shaped hole. Every person that's ever been born has a Jesus-shaped hole, and the only one that'll fit in that is Jesus. But now the idea about self. Field, you can't be self-filled because there's no such thing as right. yourself right. Amen. to be apart from God to get in there. You, you right. can't do it. So if you say he's so self-filled, he's so filled, she's all filled of herself, that's demonic field. Yeah. It's a false self to Amen. think you're self-filled because you can either be full of God or the devil. That's right. Amen. It's just not a, there's not an in-between. That's right. Yeah. That's just why I'm so emphatic with you about this. You, you've got to go after God and just say, I want to be full of Him. I want to be so full of Him that that's all people will ever taste when they taste my life is they'll taste the fullness of God. Amen. So it's a, it's a false thing to think that you could have something other than God. Decide that you're God's house. Hebrews 3, 6 says that we're God's house. Amen. Don't house other things. Make this. Sometimes we ask the question, how full of God do you want to be? Well, really to answer that, you have to ask these questions. How healed do you want to be? How victorious do you want to be? How much power do you want to have? How much insight and control over your own future do you want to experience? How much of the glory of God do you really want? How much of God do you want is how much of the good things of life do you really want? Moses, I mentioned him a minute ago, Exodus 33, 20. Notice God said this to Moses. He said, Moses, this is God talking, you cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live. If you Now, here's the thing I want to tell you about this dare. If you take the child and say, I'm going to become full of God. I'm going to be so full of God, my pastor will start recognizing me on the, when I come to church on Sunday. He'll know I'm full of God. Amen. That's right. Amen. 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 I'm not, I know I'm on this, and this, this is aggravating to me too, but look at this. I mean, look at this. You can't come to church and still be full of the Saturday night blues. That's right. Amen. You gotta, you gotta be all. Just say, I'm just so full of God. And, yes. and if you just give your life to it, all you gotta do is invite Him in, and amen. He'll, He'll fill that void. Come on, Amen. And so He said, you can't look at me and live. Now I'm gonna tell you this: if you go after the glory of God like Moses did, what the challenge really is is to die. The challenge is for you to die to yourself and just say, you know, just forget me. I don't even exist. I'm going to look at God and I'm going to be so full of Him. Let me give you another scripture on it. Galatians 2.20, Paul said it like this. It's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. See, it, the challenge is, is to recognize the closer you come to God and the more you seek Him, the yes. more you die and He comes alive. Yes. We've got to be like Jesus. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. I must decrease, He must increase. Right. Amen. And that's where we all need to be Amen. today. Look at this scripture, Romans 6.11 on the screen. This Praise is powerful. God. Romans 6.11, Paul said it like this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead to sin. Mm-hmm. Any of you that battle temptations to sin, certain temptations, certain areas, most everybody's got something that just plagues them a little bit. Have you ever noticed that when a person is dead, laying in a coffin, the temptation doesn't bother them anymore? <laughs> Come on. Amen. You can't tempt a dead man with anything. Right. Amen. Nothing. Paul said, we're to live our lives. Not, not, now this is not the end of the statement. We're, we're supposed to live our lives as though we're dead to sin. But the rest of the statement is, but yet live our lives as though we're alive to God. Look at it again. The King James says, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the message puts it like this. You get ready. This is powerful. He said, from now on, think of it this way. This is Paul talking. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. Wow. Wow. But you've got to sit around and meditate on the love of God so much that the sin doesn't even look enticing. Right. Amen. From now on, think of it like this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on his every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. 
That's what Jesus did. He's asking us to do the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus lived his life. That's why he could be tempted with sin all the time and not even fall for it. Now, I'm going to give you a little help right here. You ought to write this down. This is Everybody write it down so nobody will think this is just one person having to do it in church. But if you are battling with something, a temptation that keeps reoccurring and you keep falling for it, let me tell you something. Make a deal with yourself that I'm going to worship God 10 minutes before I yield to that sin and you'll never yield to it again. Amen. As you worship God, God will get so full in that room and fill your life up so much in worship. I know there's Christians that don't even know what worship is outside of the church. They absolutely don't know what it is. But I'm telling you, if you'll just say, okay, 10 minutes of worship, I'm going to worship God like crazy, the temptation will have no power over you. Wow, that's good. So the weakness is not some way that God made you. The weakness is where you leave yourself. The more you worship, the stronger you become, the more full of God you become. So go after God. Say amen to that if you can see that. Now, in closing, all right, one more scripture I want to show you. Just go back to Ephesians or or still hold the place in Ephesians if you're still there. How do you become full of God? Now, I'm going to give you something real simple, real simple this morning, okay? You're not going to get more full of God without a Bible. And so here's something I'm going to tell you, and this is going to help you because a lot of you got other people you want to see full of God that you really want to see influenced in their life. But Amen. listen, if you're going to stay full of God, you've got to have a good Bible. Get you a yes. good Bible, a beautiful Bible, one you treasure. Amen. You'll read it a whole lot more than you will your cell phone. That's right. Amen. Not against iPhone. I think it's wonderful that we have all the technology, those kind of things. But I'm telling you, it's like Brother Copeland said, nobody's going to be looking through your attic one day and say, oh, look, here's Daddy's iPhone. <laughs> But the Argon days say, look, here's daddy's Bible that he carried to church. He marked up scriptures. I've got my grandfather's Bible, my great-grandfather's Bible. I've, on both side, I've got other Bibles on both sides of the family. And, and what, I look to see what they marked. And little notes they wrote in there. God spoke to them. That won't show up on your iPhone. They'll say, look, let me see your phone. Got a phone? They'll say, oh, one day they'll say, oh, look, this is daddy's iPhone. They'll say, well, you know, that was daddy's Bible too, you know. Yeah, but they don't make chargers for it anymore and the batteries dead. Well, it was wonderful. I'm sure he had some good notes in there. Put it in the museum. Now, I'm not against that. I mean, I love it. I, I take my cell phone with me. If I don't have my testament with me, I've always got my, my thing. And I can, sure, I can pull out a scripture. I can look up. I'm always looking up scripture, except when I'm driving. But I'm always looking up scriptures. I'm always looking. Oh, where's that scripture? I'm looking at it. Thank God for the technology. But you got to have that. If you want to get full of God, get a Bible that you'll love and read. And let me tell you something. For those of you that are trying to touch other people's lives, I don't care how many times you've done it. Do it again. Do it this week. Buy a Bible for them. Buy a good Bible and easy to read. When I say easy, I don't I, translation will be up to you. Just make sure they line up with, with good translation. But, but the idea is get a good Bible that's easy clarity to read for them. Right. Giant print when they're older. I'm just saying this is a good thing to do because get them some, and then you write a note in it about how God impressed you to get them this Bible and how much you love them and how the Bible's changed your life and it'll change theirs Amen. and you'll get somebody else reading the Bible. Because you're not going to get full of God without the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more full you are of God. Secondly is pick it up and read it. Not only get a good Bible, but pick it up and read it. The Bible will never do you one ounce of good standing on the bookshelf somewhere. And then do this. These are simple things. Number three is pray to God every day. Pray to God. Every time you open the Bible, pray to God and ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, guide me to the right verses. I know I'm not going to sit down every day and read the entire Bible. I need to read the ones that's going to be pertinent to what I need today, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. And I never read the Bible to this day, 40 years later. I don't read the Bible except I say something very simple. Holy Spirit, reveal it to me as I read. I can't interpret. You wrote it. You authored it. Reveal it to me as you read. Say amen to that if you can see that. So do that. Make sure you pray. Learn to pray. And then number four is stay around people that are full of God. If you want to be full of God, get around people that are full of God. You're not going to get full of God hanging around people that are not full. Amen. You've got to hang around people that are. I, I know when I first got saved, 
this sounds strange to you, but in 1980, never heard the term Word of Faith Church. Never heard the term Word of Faith. I, I'd gotten saved under Brother Copeland's ministry, and, I didn't, and he was in a place called Texas. I didn't even know you could get to Texas from Alabama. I thought that was a foreign country, you know, and it just, I'm exaggerating that some, but I'm just saying, you know, that was another world, and I didn't have anybody to be around that knew and believed the Bible like I did, that I knew of. If I'd known Gail that we could, she was in the Word, I didn't know that, but, you know, it was, in 1980 was a different time. Coming out of the 70s, they weren't word churches in every town like they are today. And, and anyways, just it was a tough time. And I had nobody. As I went to Fayette to start pastoring, I didn't have anybody that understood and believed like I did that I could fellowship with. And in 1983, I'll never forget it, the first week of March, 1983, somebody introduced me. They, they pointed at a man, first of all, another person did. said, that guy over there is the greatest preacher in the state of Mississippi. And he's more desired in Mississippi and, and uh, Tennessee and Alabama than anybody else. His name was Hudy Holyfield. And I said, I'd sure like to meet him. The next day, a brother Green, a friend of mine, just an acquaintance, he introduced him to me. And, uh, and I thought, man, I'd like to get to know this Hugh Holyfield. This, 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 man, I want to be around people of faith. The people that know, they're full of, he's full of God. I mean, brother Hugh, to this day, he's in his 70s, he's near 80. But brother Hugh, anytime you're around him, he's so full of God, he's just like we're talking about, he's sloshing God. I mean, he's just, just full of God. And I thought, I really wish like I had a relationship. And you know, it wasn't hardly a month until it, I was, I was laying in the bed in his guest bedroom and I thought, wow, I'm in this man's house. <laughs> calling him daddy, he's calling me son. I mean, and he was treating me like I was part of the family. And I was running around, he and I just riding all over the states or flying all over in little private planes all over the, well, all over the United States in meetings. And all of a sudden the energies of what his life was like being full of God came into my life. I mean, it just, just being hanging around him. Your associations are so important. Find people that are full of God. I, I know when I was, I was going to a foreign country to preach not long ago. Well, this has been a few years ago. But I was going, and I just was real apprehensive. I'd never been in that country before. I didn't feel good physically traveling down. You traveled all through the night. And I just, you know, was kind of discouraged. And I thought, man, I don't know if I've even got the energy to preach. I just felt so alone going into that country. And I was in the hotel where we landed in, in Lima, Peru. And I was in my little hotel room. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm off here so many hours away from Susan. <laughs> and I thought, man, I just need God. I, I need some help. And, and Susan called the next, as soon as the morning light came. And she called. And she said, I'll just tell you how this changed my life. She said, James, is Brother Copeland's office called this morning? I said, oh, what'd they say? She said, it's Brother Copeland's private secretary. She said, she said that something Brother Copeland's doing and he didn't want to do it without you being involved with it. He wants you involved. And the point was, all of a sudden it was like, I'm not down here alone. Brother Copeland's with me. And I mean, it just changed. There's something about being associated with people that are filled with God that brings a life and an energy into your own, own life. So learn to hang around people that are like that. And the last one, look at Ephesians chapter 5, if you'll turn there real quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll close right here in Ephesians. I'll read there in one verse in chapter 3 and let you go home. Is this good? We'll get out before 12 if y'all will listen quicker. We, the only reason we have church long is y'all just slow listening. Uh, I love y'all. Y'all the most loved in the world. Amen. If one of you come up and help me find it, would you? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. It's talking about how to be full of God. Well, this is a scripture that talks about being filled with the Spirit and how important that is. Let's look at the, look at the keys here. Verse 17, he says, or well, 18, we'll start with 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. You know, just don't do it. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess or there's plenty of things to be intoxicated with. Don't do that. You have your intoxication by being filled with the Spirit. That's the, that's the comparison. 
Say amen to that. Amen. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. Now, you've got to do this to yourself. Amen. Speak to yourselves in psalms. Psalms means songs. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's songs the Holy Ghost gives you. Right. Amen. Spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, one of the ways to be filled with God is to sing. He didn't say you have to sing in church in front of everybody, but he said sing to yourselves. Songs, psalms that you get out of the Bible, hymns that you've, that's been written by others that are scriptural, and then spiritual songs that the Holy Spirit gives you, and learn to sing those the more you do it. Wigglesworth, who was one of the strongest men of faith, he did that. He would sing songs. He had his, his special songs. Now, now, I've told you he was from Wales. Susan's family was from Wales. I think she did some study on that, Mary, and some of those from Wales. And they're kind of rough and coarse, which describes Susan pretty well. She's kind of, I'm just kidding. That don't even sound like her, does it? Can you see her doing a Wigglesworth thing? Can you see Susan praying for the sick? What's up with you? <laughs> I can't say it. But anyway, she's from Wales too. But Wigglesworth, the way they did in Wales, they would drop H's. If you had a word that started with H, like heaven, you drop the H. You don't say heaven. You say Evan. Mm. So you drop H's and they would put H's in if it was before O's. He dropped H's and added H's in. His favorite song, one of his favorite songs was, He Touched Me. See, as you sing that, God fills you. Not He Touched Me, He Touched Me. And oh, what joy flooded my soul. But see, as he would sing that, and he would go, and I started doing that. I, I started realizing when I was going, especially if I was going to minister somewhere, I'd begin to sing songs, like, like one song, an old song from years, yesteryear was this, is filled with God, filled with God, empty of self and filled with God, and it had other verses to it. But I sometimes would just go through that course as I'm going to minister to somebody. I'd just say, empty of self and filled with God, filled with God, or I'd sing that to myself. And, and you'd be surprised when you get to your destination how full of God that you are by doing that. But how little we are filled with God when we won't sing right. of the glories of God. There's something right. about singing. Now, now the shower is a great place to practice. The acoustics are wonderful in the shower. But the idea is learn to sing of the goodness of God. Right. There's something about that builds you up. Look how it says this. This is what we just read about not being drunk with wine. Where it says. Look how it says it in the message translation. It says, drink the spirit of God, huge droughts of him. In other words, the verse before it says, don't drink wine. He said, but drink the Spirit of God. Right. Huge droughts of Him. Right. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Right. Amen. It'd be surprised how full of the world you are when you sing one of the old drinking songs. Okay, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, tonight the bottle let me down. <laughs> You'd be surprised how full you get of the world. Well, I happen to like the tune of old country songs, so I changed that. Tonight the Bible got me high. And let your memory, Jesus, come on by. (laughs) Not drinking songs. Holy Ghost songs, right? Y'all know I used used to like Jim Rees. Anybody remember Jim Rees? You know, you remember the, how was the, uh, he's saying, I'm just on the blue side of Lonesome, right next door to Heartbreak Hotel. You'll find me in a tavern named Three Teardrops. On a bar stool, not doing too well. So I sing, I'm just on the gold side of blessing. Right next door to prosperity and wealth. I got a fountain flowing from me called Living Waters. You'll find me in a pulpit and I'm doing 
quite well. Yeah. That's my song, see? That's a, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But you'd be surprised. I'm not, I'm not an entertainer for you, but I'm just saying the thing is, when I began to fill myself with that and then songs and hymns and then the Holy Ghost gives you songs, you'd be surprised how full of God that you'll get. So look, look finish reading this. Read, look up on the screen. It says, drink the Spirit of God, huge droughts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. An excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of Jesus, Master Jesus Christ. Always sing songs to him. Now now look at this, Ephesians chapter 3. This is what happens to us. Go back to it. Look at your scripture to Ephesians 3 and we'll close there. Before I read this out, let me just just take you back there. Look at Ephesians 3. Because I want you to see this because of the place we're reading. I told you we're going to go and we're going to go. I'm I'm quitting right here. Has this helped anybody today? I dare you to become more full of God than anybody you've ever known. And you can do it if you want it. Drink large droughts of him in. Just drought. Somebody come to your house and say, what you got on on draft? You say, I got Jesus on draft. See, remember where we was reading verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Verse 18, that you be rooted and grounded in love, be able to comprehend with all saints what is length of breath, and to know the love of Christ so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God. You see all that, what we just read? Well, here's what happens when you get to that next verse. Here's, here's the result of that. Now unto him then that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that's at work within you. The thing is, the more full you get of God, the more you have. Now, look how the Passion Translation says it, and we'll go home. Never doubt God's mighty power. Now, this is the person that's meditating on how much God loves him and singing about it. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request and beyond your most unbelievable dreams, and God will exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So the person that wants to be full of God can just go after it and be the most full of any person on the planet in Jesus' name. Everybody in agreement say amen to that. So I dare you to become so full of God that the world around you will drastically start changing and you'll become the recipient of the blessing. And and I just leave you with this. You'll go out today if you're hungry to be full of God and you will be a blessing magnet as things come your way.